Welcome to the Thriving Artist Podcast, where we talk about art, business, mindset, and everything in between. Today, we are visited by Scott Weiser. He is an animation director. He's worked on Alvin and the Chipmunks and many other wonderful projects. He's a great storyteller and currently has a book coming out that I'm very excited about. And so without much further ado, we'll just jump right in. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on here to talk to us. Um, It's my pleasure. I'm excited. But uh, so before we jump into the questions, I just want to hear about how this Kickstarter has been going. (laughs) It's been going well. Yeah, it's been the the high spot of my month. Yeah. (laughs) Some other things that have been low spot, but we won't go into those yet. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And at the same time, every time I do a Kickstarter, I underestimate the amount of emotions I'm going to feel. Yes. I, you know, this is my fourth one. The second one didn't fund because it was a, sh- it was a short film and my goal was, I think, 50,000 and I had raised 14. Uh-huh. But uh, 14 is still good. It's still oh, a yeah. Good money to raise. It's just it didn't fund. I actually did get a grant that helped me finish that short film. So all the preparation that went into the Kickstarter still actually went to good use. Yeah. But uh, yeah, each time when you hit go, all of a sudden you're just going to hit, you're going to have a rush of emotions. Um, all the people that you see backing it, people who backed it before, when I, whenever I see a name come through in the Kickstarter, I just have a flood of memories about that person huh. and what they mean to my life and what interactions we've had or, yeah, it's, uh, so, so that's a really high point. But then there's points in the Kickstarter where it starts to slow down and uh, you might start clicking like <laughs> several times a day looking sometimes an hour but <laughs> hopefully yes. only a day um looking and seeing like there's if there's any movement and sometimes there isn't for hours on end there's no movement in the kickstarter so unless you're the exploding kittens kickstarter which happened <laughs> i think around the same time as i did my first kickstarter Van- vanishing ink and yeah <laughs> when i saw that i thought oh what am i doing mm-hmm. why don't i have their sauce you know <laughs> right but yes. uh yeah that yeah that leads actually into I really wanted to talk about like posting on social media just doing anything where you like get something out there you're creatively attached to it you're excited about it you have this maybe a little bit of a vision or of a hope of what what the result will be but how like how do you emotionally detach from that how do you because I feel like there's this negative energy of like desperation that happens in my day if I'm like constantly checking on a kickstarter or on you know a post or something you know like i just it would be nice to emotionally detach so i could get other stuff done or have that hope that i need to i don't know to not what do you do how do you yeah the emotional desperation i think that's something that all of us experience right and i i can't lie that i haven't experienced it during this kickstarter Luckily, I've been through it enough that I think, is this a good use of my emotions right now? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, I just find something else to funnel it into. Uh, well, I guess we'll get into a bit of the nitty gritty. So as I've been at, at Space Station Animation and have learned so much there, I helped them get their first series off the ground, which what they did is they took the A. Adley series. It's already popular on YouTube, already had four million or more subscribers and 40 million views a month across all the videos and not a month a week. And, and I'm sure that varies, but it, it's, it's pretty amount, a cre- incredible amount of viewership. 
And they liked to take those, some of the videos that are about 24 minutes long and they said, let's shorten them down and make them into animated episodes. So about six, seven, sometimes maybe a little bit longer minutes and they are animated and we crank them out really fast. I was the director on the first four-ish episodes. I storyboarded episode five and co-directed on that one, co-directed on the fourth, I think too. And then at that point I broke off and I started creating a series and it's called Pirate Caps. It's going to be a really cool series. It's already been revealed to the public that that's something that's coming. And, but it's, it was intended to be released in September. Now it's going to be released in the spring and yeah, it's uh, some things happen and I won't go into the exact details, but pretty much what had to happen is I had to, and I was already planning on doing it eventually, but a little bit earlier than expected, hand over this series that I put and sold into to the team so I can move on to another studio. And yeah, just roller coaster emotions with that is incredible. You know, like yeah. I, this is kind of like a child of mine in a way. Mm. I know, I'm sure that I would be a lot more heartbroken to part with my child, but <laughs> It was a lot more emotional than I expected, a lot more sadness and disappointment at how some of the things went. And again, mm. I'm not going to give exact details because I love all the people involved. And, you know, sometimes it's just not a good fit. Right. Yeah. And um, we we did our best. We tried our hardest and we have a first episode animated, but uh, it's it's out of my hands now. I'm I'm polishing this episode a little bit more and then I'll, I'll move on. And so that was like the rough spot in comparison to the Kickstarter. And every time the Kickstarter was re doing really well, and I, I was like high on that emotional part of the roller coaster, I would have this crash of like something would happen with the project that just broke my heart, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's almost like there's a, an opposition in everything, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're having the best of times, you're having the worst of times sometimes. And uh, so that actually helped me detach a bit from the Kickstarter because I had all those mm. things, that mm -hmm. other thing going on, right? Right. Um, but the, oh, it was interesting. The thing that really helped go on a walk around mm. lunch or a little bit after lunch to a river near, and I would go put my feet in the river and sit there and watch the ducks and ponder and just, you know, just kind of be in the moment. Wow. And that was, that was huge for me this month wow. <laughs> the river <laughs> that's so cool yeah, yeah that's inspiring yeah I've noticed if I'm sitting at a desk all day I definitely get stuck in my brain <laughs> oh so yeah that's yeah getting outside getting some sun some peace yeah you're a yeah. smart lad to take time for that yeah when I even had one day where I was I was just go go going right and I was working on I had worked on some stuff for the the pirate crabs and then I it was you know about five o'clock so I'm like okay now I'm gonna message a bunch of people um about the kickstarter to see if they're interested right mm -hmm. and my wife came down and she's like we need to go do something and I was like but I just I just gotta I just gotta one more one more you know it, it, <laughs> it becomes like kind of an addiction in a way yes. where you have to you have to actually just pull yourself away from the desk and say enough is enough um I would do that at animation expos too I remember uh, several of the CTNXs when I was more desperate looking for a job, I would go around and talk to everyone I could, and I would be exhausted. I'd come out of the expo and I'd be like, I need to have one more combo. And so I'd run in, you wow. know, to just find somebody else to connect with hmm. uh, because I thought that something would happen that I would get a job randomly, right? Yeah. 
Um, truth be told, that is not the way I got a job. So the conversations that just happened, like this, this Steamroller Studios is where I'm going next. Uh-huh. And it was a conversation that I was just walking around the expo and we started just chatting. He, I'd gone to an animation school online and he had a new online animation school. And I just started chatting about his school and just asking questions. And then we just got into a really deep conversation. And I don't remember exactly what we talked about. But I remember thinking, I really like that guy. And I walked away and he thought, I want to work with that guy someday. Hmm. And then I think we had an email exchange after like, that was one of the best conversations after. And then kind of let it be well the next year i had done my kickstarter for vanishing ink and i had copy of the book and i just had the strong feeling i should give jalil one right mm-hmm. and he was so pleased with it and read a little bit on the way home and thought wow scott's a really good writer fast forward a couple of years he invited me to be a part of his company but at the, that time they didn't work remotely they didn't have the setup mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. and then uh, later on, I had him on the directing animation live cast, which I host. And again, I was having him on there as a friend. He had directed a series that I thought was over the pilot for a series that I thought was really cool uh, called Sprice Frontier. And I was like, I'm just going to have him. On, I'm just going to have him on my show. And in the discussion, we discovered that we actually have something we want to work together on. And that was hopefully finding funding for my future film, The Unsinkable Song. And we've been working on that the past couple of years. A year ago, we almost got the funding. Yeah. And that was right when I was just starting at Space Station. And so that was kind of what started the ball rolling on the, the struggle at Space Station was that they wanted somebody who's going to stay good. And I had this project that I was helping them until that other project comes up. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, still hasn't quite panned out, but I am going to join Stringroller so we can keep working on it more intensively. Wow. And I can help them with what they have going on, too. Right. So. That's one connection that just kind of happened and I wasn't forcing it and it wasn't, it didn't happen out of desperation right. that, that really panned out. Another one that almost panned out was the co-director of Camp Coral, SpongeBob Coral. He and I, he was the first person I ever met at an animation expo. He was just sitting outside. I went up and said, Hey, how's it going? And we were just kind of casually chatting and I found out that he had kind of a similar background to me. He was doing more hand-drawn animation and I was doing CG uh, later on, I learned more hand-drawn and he learned more CG. And so that's what they were looking for in the SpongeBob and Cat Coral was somebody who did both and was a good director. So years down the road, just being kind and just, you know, just saying hi when we passed each other, that almost turned into a job, you know? Yeah. So interestingly enough, when you're desperate, I just think you get less results. Right. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you go about it the wrong way. Okay. You know, that, des- that desperate guy that, is uh, flirting the, with a girl. Exactly. Gets the cold shoulder every time. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. how do you, how do you get there? Cause I feel like as passionate creators, at least for me, I get so excited or I have this like exciting dream or vision of what I want it to be. And so I, yeah, that excitement, but sometimes that passion can lead to, yeah, I guess desperation maybe is tied to fear somehow. Like it is fear tied that to it fear. won't work. It and- absolutely is tied to fear. So let's say, let's say we were flirting with somebody, right? Yeah. And you're flirting with that person. And if you're, if you're feeling desperate or fearful, you're going to want to be like, you want to cling to that person. Like, look at yeah. me, you yeah. know, and, and you're going to be more desperate for things to go the way you want them to go. Right. You know, and you'll, you're all, you'll overcorrect. You'll think, oh, they, they did this. So that must mean that. And, uh-huh. you know, so 
and the more you do that the the weirder it gets for that person they're like I, I don't really want to be around this person anymore you know oh yeah overthinking okay yeah definitely yeah yeah overthinking and then over trying like right. I think that the people really want somebody to good to be around with and they I think they appreciate passion but they don't appreciate passion when that passion starts to strangle them mm, and over- their ability to feel comfortable yeah yeah over trying so then yeah like as your wife is like hey let's go do something that like fear of like no like if I take a break if I stop like I need to like maybe that fear of like I won't reach my goals instead of being balanced and not desperate yeah because because those creative zen those flow energy like that doesn't usually last for five six hours for me it's usually a couple of hours where I'm in that state you know and yeah, then a- yeah. after that sometimes it feels a little bit more like I'm pushing pushing and then you know things don't get done but yeah yeah, yeah have you found a good flow within your day to like okay this is when I work this is when I don't work because you have all these beautiful side stuff like your kickstarter these passion projects as well as it sounds like going you know to work so how do you (laughs) how do you kind of schedule that balance or not be pushing pushing and letting it flow (laughs) yeah I I pay attention to the things that charge me and the things that discharge okay uncharge I guess (laughs) Yeah. not discharge but the things that uh that charge me up and the things that wear me down right yeah when like an example of this is when i was at my first animation job on elvin and the chipmunks three i was animating really hard and trying to do a really great job and you know you have this certain period of time where your computer is play blasting is what it was called mm-hmm. and so it was kind of calculating what the animation would look like computers are faster now but back then it was it was a bit slower and so i had like kind of a one, two, three minute wait period when I was doing animation. And so I had this book of faces next to me and I would open it up and I'd sketch a couple faces and I would get like three little wins, right? And that charged me up uh-huh. <laughs> because I had, I was able to get from the beginning to the end task that was creative and I was learning how to draw the face better and it didn't have to be perfect. And it was just wonderful, it re- recharged me. And then I would go back to animating hmm. And uh, I did what I didn't realize what I was doing at the time was I was finding a way to recharge myself after I was depleted. Mm. And uh, I think there was a day that that production got so frustrating and, and it wasn't even because of anything anyone was doing. It was just, I was tired, you know, and I'd been working on it for a while. And so I went out and took a walk and I was amazed at how that changed when I got back. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think also as as artists, we're high in negative emotion, right? So mm. <laughs> high in emotion, period. It's not just negative. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I think that we we fear that when an employer is paying us, that we should be constantly working and yeah. our nose to the grindstone, right? Right. But we don't do our best work that way. No. We do our best work when we find ways to recharge, and then we come back in and and we then use that energy that we just just gathered up efficiently. Uh, something I also discovered in this studios is that I, when I worked, and actually it was somebody, something somebody said on that production on Evan and the Chipmunks 3, where we were about to start overtime. And when a person said, it doesn't really make us faster anyway. And that mm-hmm. was an experienced animator. He's now at Disney. He's a supervising animator at Disney. And 
it just really stuck with me. And I thought, yeah, that's true. So I did a little bit of an experiment when I was at studios, I would try small periods of like trying the overtime. And then I did periods where I would just work normal hours and I'd find ways to recharge and go down and walk by the little community garden they had in Vancouver at uh rainmaker entertainment mainframe now. And then I would go back and I would animate and I would get up and film reference and didn't film reference because they felt like there was an urgency to get the work done. But reference actually, it not only recharged me because I loved being on stage and acting and stuff growing up, but it also gave me a very clear understanding when I got back to my desk of what I was doing, yeah. right? So I became one of the fastest animators there and I did overtime once in a while just to have camaraderie with the team. Uh-huh. And then I would notice the next day that I was slower. Huh. I was I was animating slower because I had pushed myself even too far. Yeah. And so, yeah, by not working overtime, I became one of the fastest animators at, at Rainmaker Entertainment. It was crazy. Hmm. Yeah, I just noticed when I'm pushing and pushing it, like I just, yeah, I don't, I don't get as much done there near the end, but yeah, it's hard not to. I don't know if, I don't know where it comes from. You know, like growing up, my family was very like work hard. Like, you know, you benefit from working hard, but then I'm finding like that energy of like pushing and hard is not creatively fulfilling and doesn't always feel right. That there's sometimes like your body is telling you, okay, it's time for something else. Like I need balance. I need something else right now. It's, I don't know. I, I just, it hasn't been till recently that I've listened to myself that way. Like you were saying, where what gives me energy, what doesn't, because I think those are clues instead of my old thinking, which was no push through. This is the only way to succeed is to do hard things. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a combination of both, both, right? Where yeah. you're, you you do need to work really hard on a problem sometimes, right? Because right. you really need to pull away. And your brain, you know, you only have about, it's about 40 thoughts per minute that you're aware of. Or uh-huh. I'm not sure exactly the time frame, but it's very small amount of thoughts in comparison to the millions of calculations that are going on in your brain, right? Huh. Your brain is actually solving a lot more than you realize, but it's hard for us to actually trust that subconscious part of our brain or unconscious part of our brain, but we do, you know, and, and again, calming yourself down and really just trusting in the process of life, you're able to actually do better, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, again, you you don't want to be desperate for it. You know, you don't want, you don't want to be desperate for the inspiration. So you say, okay, I'm going to work really hard on it. I'm going to feed my brain as much as possible. I'm going to clearly envision the problem that I'm trying to solve. And then I'm going to let my brain work on it. And, and I'm going to go do something that is really me that recharges me. Yeah. Um, Things that don't recharge me are social media. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Twitter. Oh, Yeah, definitely not Twitter for me. Definitely not. Yeah. And mm. I had a friend, I had a friend who pointed out to me that uh, Twitter, I felt like I was wasting time on Twitter a lot. You know, I expressed this to a friend and they said, well, you know, if you took, if you took time to read a book, that would be investing in yourself. Right. And that would actually, it would be a way of uh, charging that would actually benefit you long-term. But when you just waste time, you really are just giving that time away and nothing ever comes back to you for the good, you know? Mm-hmm. and uh yeah 
I found that with social media a lot. And it's been kind of hard to watch my social media profiles grow a little slower than other people I've seen. But yeah, in the long run, I'm like, wow, I just created this book and I have this feature film pitch and everybody's asking me how you're doing this kind of work. And I'm thinking, mm. yeah, it, it's happened because I've realized social media has played my life sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I still get sucked into the rabbit hole because it was built to do that, right? Right. It was built to be addictive and to get you endlessly scrolling and to get you caring too much about clicks and likes, which don't right. really equate to anything real. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is hard though, because like with your Kickstarter, do you feel like a lot? Well, I mean, are a lot of the people from social media finding your Kickstarter because of social media? Or do you feel like you've been able to market? And I mean, you're such a good socializer at you know conferences and stuff are is that how you get your your networking or your quote-unquote like marketing getting that exposure because yeah your kickstarter got a lot of eyes and for me I would think that the way to do that would be through social media but yeah I think of my kickstarter more as door-to-door sales okay and wow and I'd sell the book one by one. Wow. And I'd actually watch, I watch very carefully when somebody posts on social media uh-huh. about my project, what the interaction's like. And crazily enough, I don't get a lot of people, like people like if you were to post about this project's amazing, go back my Kickstarter. I actually don't get a lot of backers that way. Okay. See, people, social media is just too distracting right now. There's yeah. two interactions going on. And so I used to get more actually in the first Kickstarter than I do now on that. Um, A lot of it's former backers who really found the project meaningful. But again, Kickstarter sends out an email to all those people who backed my previous projects Mm -hmm. and they don't see the email. It gets buried. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) So what I do is I go and I just sell to each person. And I make sure that the sales approach is very obvious that I'm like, here's this book. If you want it, that's great. I want to talk about your life. And I get into these very long conversations about how they're doing. And sometimes they back Kickstarter and sometimes they don't. <laughs> wow. But at least I had a meaningful conversation. I actually, this is this is something I messaged people recently and, and um, it felt very not markety to me. Okay. I want to write, let's see, where am I going to find it? I, I said, how are you? Seriously, how are you? While it's fun to sell books, it's more meaningful to connect with great friends like you. And then we get talking, you know, yeah. about, uh, about their life. And, and if I, if, if I write that, I know that I'm obliged to actually have a meaningful conversation, uh-huh. you know, yeah, and yeah. not just like, yeah, yeah. So what about this Kickstarter? Are you interested in it? Right. <laughs> you know, if I slightly do that, then they're like, oh, yeah, you're really here j- just to sell the book, right? Uh-huh. And that is not the goal. The goal is if they're interested in the book, great. If not, we're we're going to have another kind of interaction. And so that's how I got the first about seven, $8,000 on the Kickstarter. Uh-huh. And then there's another, there's a marketing company that I tried to get them to so I worked for a Kickstarter mar- marketing company oh, cool. years ago. I built their video and page design teams. Nice. This is kind of a break from animation that I took. 
just to learn about business so I could start my own animation business. And it, uh, it was an interesting company and they tried to market my Kickstarter, but couldn't quite make it work. Hmm. Well, is long story as short as I can make it. There was another guy there that we would always talk about how can we be treat our customers better and how, how can we be more honest with our character, our characters, customers. <laughs> and we both left the company. He started this other thing or took over this other company called Crowdox. And then Backerkit bought them. Backerkit started doing ads because they had audiences from fulfilling Kickstarters that they understood what kind of people would buy all sorts of things. And so their ads were doing so much better than that last company that we'd been at. And they purchased the Crowdox company. And so he's now at the top of Backerkit. Hmm. I tried to get Backerkit before he he got into it to do marketing for Cirque du Solitude. And they said, no, they said no on masked magic. But once Chandler saw that this project had already exceeded its funding goal, he thought, you know, I really care about Scott. And so they jumped in and they took it from just under, under 9,000, just under 13,000. And wow. then um, I've helped it cross 13,000 by some people who I knew wanted the book. And I just reminded them about it. Yeah. And yeah. So that's where we're at in the Kickstarter now. The ads have stopped. We've paused the ads because we started getting less and less returns on the ads. Okay. And we're going to start them up again when we're at the last three days. Because that's there's an urgency at the end of the Kickstarter that people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got to get on and, and back this Kickstarter. Right. Another cool thing that happened is when I can see the amount of views that my video gets to the amount of people who are interested in the project, okay. who, who click the remind me button. Yeah. And on Vanishing Inc., it was about 10% of the people clicked the remind me on before it ends button. Mm. And now it's half, it's half of the people who watch the video are interested in the project. Wow. And yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it, they're projecting I could raise 18,000. We'll see. Wow. My guess is it might be closer to 15, 16, but you know, they, they know the business of what they're doing of the Kickstarter marketing. So I'm going to trust them and I'm going to do my best with whatever they need my help with and we'll see how it ends. So what do they do? They do the, ad, they help with the ads or what? They do ads. Yeah. And they're okay. really good at Facebook and Instagram ads. Okay. Yeah, I think they run some on YouTube, but they haven't run any for my campaign. I think if it's a big, there are certain campaigns that you have a huge profit margin mm -hmm. and you have a big cost. Right. Maybe it's something like the coolest cooler or Brandon Sanderson's book set or something yeah. where it's really expensive. Right. And so they have a lot of wiggle room that they can play with more ads and they can, um, depending on the marketability, it's actually really tough to to sell a, a novel on on Kickstarter. It would be much easier graphic novel. Mm -hmm. Even more easy if it were a board game, you know? Right. Board games do really well on Kickstarter. They do. Or a sort of technological device. So yeah. Yeah. For me to be doing this well on Kickstarter is remarkable. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I'm yeah, I think it's fantastic. Oh, our meeting's gonna end in 10 minutes because I do not have Zoom Pro. But we so, can just get back on, right? Um, yeah, we could. We could okay. if if you're up for it, but I know yeah, you're I'm up for it. 
a busy guy. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I was I was really excited that you're going to be on here, but also kind of nervous to take up your time because I feel like you're this important. I don't know. You have like all these titles of like director, and you worked on all these cool things, and <laughs> your website is so slick. Like your art style and just oof. I just I like I like the whimsy magical. Ooh, I, I, I just, I really like the style that you have. So beautiful. Have you, you, um, so with, with such an iconic style and with your storytelling, I mean, is it hard sometimes to work on other projects that you don't have full capacity to move the direction of the project or like, if you could have everything your way, would you be just working on your stories? That is a question because I you know uh-huh. like it pushes me into a zone that I'm not comfortable in and so I learn and grow and stretch in other ways wow. I noticed when I was doing my own freelance business and I was doing layers the short film mm-hmm. along with it so I would kind of do a little project freelance and then I would have a few weeks that I had budget for to do layers and then I would do a client project and then I would do layers you know so I kind of alternate yeah and I noticed that the t- two different types of projects actually influenced each other hmm. and actually helped each other get better. Like my layers got better because of projects and client projects got better because of layers. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that it's good to have a mix of both. Yeah. But someday I think that I will be to the point where my projects are going to be able to push me all of the way. Yeah. I hope, I hope, but I've been enough about other artists, even they hit a a point where it's grueling to keep working on a personal project. So, right. Yeah. I I imagine that'll happen. And then getting past that will be a new learning experience. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, art would does that scare you to not have like a salary coming in from a, a company? Or do you think that you would, you'd be able to figure out the finances enough to be on your own to I, I mean you had that freelance gig I just sometimes it's hard for my brain not to be motivated by the safety and security of financial stability you know yeah. how, does, how does your brain work with that with money how's your money mindset well I have a wife who is very good at money okay cool <laughs> she's very good at budgeting nice and I I love budgeting too, but I'm not as good at it. Uh I'm very supportive of her budgeting skills. Yes. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that's really helped having a really good budget. And then she became the CFO of my freelance business. And so we would have, we would have candid conversations of, you know, I really need a whole month to do this project justice. That would probably be the unsingable song, the the musical feature. I needed to get a song written. I needed to get it storyboarded. I needed to get a pitch. I needed to get the pitch out to a bunch of producers. You know, I I just felt the need to do that, right? So I did that in between projects. We planned them very strategically and she saved up money for quite a while so I could have that that month to work on it. Mm. Crazily enough, of course, the first few weeks of that month, I had a really hard time going, or two weeks, I had a hard time getting going. And my wife kept saying, remember, we, we're paying you for this. Like, this is your dream. And 
<laughs> and it was really hard. And then at the end, it just clicked and I was able to storyboard really quickly. Wow. So uh, yeah, creative energy just works in an interesting way, right? And there were yeah. certain things, certain hurdles I had to get over before I really get in that flow state where I was constantly storyboarding and it was coming out well. And yeah, so yeah, it was always in between things. And I kind of, kind of my business model was I would spend two thirds of my time on client work and I'd spend one third of my time on original developments. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. And I was able to dial in the can do it qu quick enough and also kind of over deliver because mm -hmm. I had just come from that company that we didn't feel like treated their customers well. Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to treat my customers so well that they're like, wow, we didn't anticipate Scott would be this good at what he's doing for us. Let's hire him again. And that's actually how I ran my business for five years, you know, Wow. Yeah. four to five years, but yeah. That's amazing. Instead of thinking like, I'm getting paid this much, so I'm going to create this much value instead of being like, you know, I'm going to do so much that they want me back and back yeah. over and over again. And then my and then my original developments, I could show that to the clients and they would get excited. They'd be like, well, let's try this. And so we actually opened up new opportunities with the clients too. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So what caused you to stop that business? Was it just you were ready for change? You were ready for a new adventure? Part of me was feeling that I was plateauing mm -hmm. in the style of animation I was doing and the kind of client work I was doing. And, but another part of me, like the day before I went into space station, I told a friend, I never want to work for anybody again. Hmm. Yeah. And then the next day I go to the studio and I see what they're doing. And I thought, if I don't engage with this thing, I'm missing out on a big opportunity. So I mm. engaged with it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I and feel like... uh, still continued my original developments just in the early morning hours. But yeah. <laughs> uh huh. You've done so much. And I guess you, you mentioned that earlier that people say that to you. How do you do <laughs> so much? Yeah. And I guess it's time management, but also passion, but also maybe not wanting to miss out on opportunities or things that, what is it? It's, uh, <laughs> sometimes it feels like, like breathing to me. Like I have to breathe, like I have ah. to breathe for long enough yeah. for a long time. So it's like, I need to go now and, and write this project or, you know, wow. um, part of it is also, I tell people a lot about the project, so that gets me excited about it. Uh -huh. But I actually have a friend who consults at Disney, Pixar, and DreamWorks, etc. He's an amazing screenwriter, and he doesn't share things with people. Yeah. Like, he feels like that lets the steam out of it. So he just waits until he, like, hits this critical mass and then writes it. He does uh -huh. one draft, and then, like, they go through and proofread it or whatever, and he's done. And he's an amazing artist, wow. you know? <laughs> so I do think differently for everybody but uh it's nice i i feel like it kind of holds me accountable when i tell people i'm going to be doing this thing it holds me accountable yes for for actually finishing it yes sometimes the yeah it's something that i need to work on is sometimes i do that but then i don't complete it or just like on social media or something like I'm gonna try this thing watch me do this thing and then I lose steam because probably because the reward of Instagram is not enough to <laughs> yeah I also it. and it's kind of rare but I I believe that we should keep our word and yeah. I'm surprised at how rare that is today it is. people make promise empty promises and and I can't I can't quite do that yeah and so uh, that's 
been part of the challenge at my current place is, you know, I, I made promises and was going to keep them and it was really hard. And then I didn't get promises returned to me. Like I, I keep track of promises and I'm not going to be malevolent about it and say, oh, you better, you know, right? <laughs> like I, I'm not really forceful about it, but when somebody doesn't keep, you know, three, four, five promises in a row, I start, you know, yeah, I start to think, oh, do, do they value keeping their word as much as I value it? Wow. You know, Uh and do they value me as much as I value them? Right. So, huh? Yeah. It's a good, it's something I need to, to work on, I guess. Yeah. 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 So we have less than a minute. Yes. Do you want to send me another link? I will do that. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. And we're going to keep you in suspense for the next podcast episode. We'll have the rest of our convo because we got in some good, deep stuff. It's going to be like a therapy session where you can like learn mindset tools and ways to think about things differently. So get excited. And before I let you go, I would love to just open it up for any artists or mom creators out there or people wanting to step into the freelance world but they're afraid of what that will mean for their finances i have created a passive income course about how to create your success your passive income with your art um, little by little without sticky deadlines and picky clients um, with creating what you want to create So if you're interested in that program, uh, sign up on the link below and there will be a freebie about the steps to create passive income with your art. So till next time, if you want to check out that website and the Kickstarter, Scott's Kickstarter and his beautiful project, I think you can still purchase his book. See you next time.